Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Carlos, and as Charles just said, and as you can read on your card that you got uh, as you walked in with the top five, it says, there's a week until Christmas. Seven days. Seven days till Christmas. Next Sunday is Christmas. And some of you might be excited and happy and totally chill with that. And I don't like you people because when I hear that Christmas is a week away, I get kind of a little nervous and a little anxious because I've only bought, I have five kids and I've only bought for one kid. And I'm not ready, you know. And, and, and the site's coming up and, and we're going to have our first services January 8th and there's all this stuff kind of floods my mind. And, and, and it's just a little crazy, And today we're talking about Christmas peace. And I need to shift gears a little bit because that's how I was going to start my sermon. But I have to change it. Because I wanted to talk about how crazy everything is at Christmas time and and how we need to focus on the right stuff. But I have to change it because of something that happened to me this week. You see, a couple days ago, I was sermon prepping at home, and I was in the kitchen, and I had my computer out, and I, and I started to uh, type, and I was just getting my thoughts ready, and my daughter, Autumn, walks into the kitchen, and she goes to the fridge, and she gets out some milk and pours herself a glass, and she's like, um, daddy? She doesn't really talk like that, but I like to bother her. <laughs> um, daddy, what are you preaching on? Suddenly, she became Australian. I'm not sure what happened with that. I'm going to just drop the accent. So she's like what are you preaching on? And I'm like, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still working on it. She's like, okay, just don't preach on the hustle and the bustle. What? Don't preach on the hustle. You know, the hustle and the bustle, how things are so crazy and we need to just stop and be still and focus on Jesus. Don't preach on that. What? You know, everyone preaches on that every year. It's like the same Christmas. Don't do that. Give us something new this year. (laughs) What? (laughs) And she finishes her glass of milk, and she just walks out of the room. And inside, all I'm thinking, I didn't even respond. I didn't, I, I, all I looked at her, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Put that sermon aside. And the second thing I thought was, Autumn, you just became my introduction. Because she had something right. There, there, there was something that she actually got, that she was on target with, that I was missing. You see, sometimes when it comes to Christmas peace, what we do is we mood light the manger. And we sanitize the story a little bit. And Christmas peace becomes something that we experience when we gather around the Christmas tree with the Christmas lights and we listen to Nat King Cole sing the Christmas song and we sip hot chocolate. That's Christmas peace to us. And those are good things. I love those things. Those are some of my best memories. Those are good things. But if we limit Christmas peace to that, then we kind of are missing something. We're missing the fullness of Christmas peace. Because in the Bible, when it came, it didn't arrive with just this quiet nature. It actually arrived with this loud, exciting moment. And so we're going to look into the Bible. And if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, there's different ways to follow along. You can read on the screens up here. You can take your phone or tablet out and go to the Bible app or the Bible Gateway app. And we also have Bibles in the seat racks in front of you, so you can take that and read it there. And if you don't own one, 
Take that Bible home. It's our gift to you. It's free. And the reason we do that is because we believe reading the Bible has the potential to impact your life. And so you can take that Bible, or you can go out to the Info Hub and ask them for a Bible. We want you to have a Bible, so take it. It's free. But we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, and I think that we might, after reading this, just realize that Christmas peace radically changed everything. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told." There's so much in that story. We're not going to be able to get into that. There's so much. You can, you can talk about the shepherds. You can talk about just different aspects. The, the, the story of Jesus being born is so rich. And like Charles said earlier, we sometimes hear it and, and we're like, oh, it's the Christmas story. We're not, no, but it's so full. And maybe it needs to become new to us again. And so we want you to come to our Christmas Eve services as Charles talks about that story. But we're not going to focus on that whole section today. We're actually only going to focus on one word. And the word is peace. But before we do that, we need to kind of shift gears a little bit. We need to shift gears of our mental state. Because when you hear peace, you think of one thing. But if we were those shepherds, if we were Jewish during those days, if we were Jewish, period, we would be thinking something else. The word for peace for the Jewish shepherd was shalom. It's actually a greeting, and it's how you greet each other. It's shalom. But shalom is different than what we think of when we think of peace. You see, when we think of peace within our American mindset, we think the absence of something. When we think of peace, we think of the absence of conflict. We think of the absence of fighting, the absence of war, the absence of stress, the absence of anxiety. That's what we think of when it comes to peace. We think of something being removed that is preventing it. That's not what shalom means. Shalom means wholeness. It means wholeness. Shalom is when everything that's essential, everything that is vital, finally comes together. And there's a rabbi in Oregon. His name is David Zaslow. And I, I'm just going to tell you up front, he's, he's not a Christian, so his, his beliefs are not the same as mine or Calvary Church's. But he does say something very interesting about shalom. He says this. In his blog, he writes, It comes from a Hebrew root word that means wholeness. 
And what is wholeness? In the Hebraic way of thinking, wholeness is the joining together of opposites. When we think of peace, we think about something being removed. When we think of shalom, what we need to think is of something coming together. And if it is opposites, then we kind of get a glimpse of what is happening with Christmas peace. Opposites were coming together. Opposites that had been eternally separated. A holy God and a sinful people were able to now come together. Because a baby was born. And that baby became a man and that man died on a cross. And paid the price for your sin and mine. Opposites. Shalom, wholeness, was able to happen. Very different than the way that I think of peace. I think of peace as a removal of all the craziness. Take it all away. When in reality, it's about two things coming together. A people whom God loved, who sinned and were so far apart, separated from him, now coming together and being with him, being able to be with him eternally. Wholeness. This is the peace that the angels proclaim in this passage in Luke. This is the peace that they're talking about. But what does that mean to us? What does this wholeness mean to us? And the first thing that we need to understand in order to understand wholeness is that we need to understand that you can't become whole, you can't go through a process of becoming whole, if you're not broken. You don't put together something that is already complete. You don't put together something that's unbroken. You have to be broken to have to be put together. And it doesn't take a lot for us to see brokenness in our world. It doesn't take a lot. We can go through the news and we can, can listen to different words and be reminded of different things that happened in 2016, and we can be reminded of this brokenness. I can say words to you like Aleppo. I can say words to you like Brexit. I can say words to you like ISIS or Zika. 2016 has been a year of brokenness. There are so many other words. I can say Hurricane Matthew. I can say Haiti. I can say so many different things that illustrate that. But we can narrow that focus a little bit and not even look around the world, but we can narrow that and look at our country and look at brokenness in a different light as well. We can look at it and think of Ferguson. We can think of Orlando shootings. We can look at election, hacked emails, fingers pointing, unrest. There is brokenness in our country. But why stop there? Let's just go a little bit farther. Let's look at a little bit closer. Let's look at home. There's brokenness in homes. Divorce, bitterness, betrayal, heartbreak, resentment. Look at ourselves, anxiety, fear, depression, words that can't be taken back, actions that can't be removed because they were already done, they can't be reversed. Brokenness is all around us. We are broken people living in a broken country that is a part of a broken world. And that's pretty depressing for a Christmas message. Just being honest. Should have stayed home. 
I mean, when we speak about Christmas messages, it should be like happy and joyful, right? It should be something like, yay, ring bells. But you know what? There are some of us in this room that identify with brokenness at Christmas more than we identify with Christmas peace. We go to Christmas dinners and Christmas family get-togethers and Christmas parties, and we dread them. In fact, we keep looking at our watch, waiting for it to be time to politely go home and just hoping that something doesn't happen between now and then, right? Or for some of us who've lost a loved one, Christmas is, is a time of sadness. Why? Because we are broken. We're broken people. And the key to that is this. We can't be fixed. We try to fix ourselves all the time, but we can't be fixed. And here's what I mean by that. My mom and dad live in Bethlehem. Not the Bethlehem from the Christmas story. (laughs) The Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. (laughs) They live in Bethlehem. And they live close to Bethlehem Catholic High School, and so sometimes my dad and I will go to the uh, baseball field and hit some baseballs around because we love baseball. Well, one time, my dad finds in, <coughs> in a garbage can a broken bat. It's in just two pieces. So he takes it and he puts it together, and it was a gorgeous-looking bat. I mean, but it's broken, right? And we have bats already, but this bat, this bat looked beautiful. And so he's like, you think we can fix it? And me being the smart, rational person that I am said, yeah, let's fix it. So my dad glues the bat together, uses like a clamp to hold it together. I'm pretty sure he nailed some small nails into it as well. This was like a week-long process. He taped it up, you know, he just really worked on that. And then the next week I come over and he gives me the bat, he's fixed it. I'm holding the bat and it's perfect. Just feel the balance, the weight. It's just, it's good. And, and we go take it to the field to go hit baseballs. And because he's dad and I'm son, he hits first. And so throw the pitch and he swings and he hits the ball. But instead of the crack that you normally hear, there was a different sound. Like one of those, eh, something's wrong with that sound, you know? And we realized that the bat was still broken. And you can't hit with a broken bat because it's dangerous, but, so we had to put it away. But no matter how it looked, no matter how much work we put into it, all of our efforts, the bat was broken. You can't fix a broken bat. It's reality. You need a new one. You can't fix your broken self. You need a new self. Christmas peace, the shalom of Christmas, is not about fixing us. It's about making us new. We become a new creation when we decide to follow Jesus. And there are three ways in which we experience the peace of Christmas. The first step and the place that we need to start is with peace with God. Christmas peace brings peace with God. And the thing is that we can't make peace with God. 
We try. We do different things like trying to nail into a bat or tape it together. We try. We go to church. We do good things. We say good things. We try to make peace with God, but we can't. We can't initiate that process. God had to initiate that process, and he did. He did by sending his son that was born in a, babe, in, in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. He initiated the process. We couldn't. And it is only through Jesus, it is only through the blood of Jesus, it is only through the resurrection of Jesus, it is only through Jesus that we can make peace with God. But the problem is, is that sometimes we try to take the place of Jesus. The problem is, is that sometimes we try to take his place and do what we need to do in order to make peace with God, but we can't. And the reason we can't is if we understand and look back at the word shalom again. Look back at what the rabbi said. It was the coming together of two opposites. We are opposite to God. We are opposite to God. And I don't think we fully understand that at times because we don't understand God's holiness or our sinful nature. Not completely. We have a finite mind. We kind of get a glimpse of it, but we can't fully understand how holy God is and how filthy our sin is. We are opposites. We cannot do anything to create that process. It's only through Jesus. So how do we experience that peace? How do we experience this peace with God, this shalom? How do we become whole? The answer is union, through, union with Christ. Through God's grace, Christ indwells in us, and we are joined to him in our person and in our life. Let's look at how Paul says it in the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You can't fix a baseball bat. You need a new one. You can't fix your broken self. You need to be made new. We must become a new creation, united with Jesus. And this has radical implications for our interactions with others. You see, Christmas peace is about peace with God. Peace with God. But it's also about peace with others. It's about peace with God, and then it's about peace with others. How do we interact with this broken world that we are in? We need to interact the same way that Jesus interacted with us. Jesus brings peace into our lives. And my life needs to be a reflection of that. And so how am I a peacemaker? How am I a peacemaker? What part do I play in reconciliation among races? What part do I play in reconciliation among people from different areas, from different neighborhoods who are just different? What part do I play in reconciliation with the haves and the have-nots in the world of justice, in the world of special needs? What part do I play in reconciliation in regards to people who are human trafficked? What part do I play in reconciliation with those multitude of people around me who have not embraced the gospel? What part do I play? How am I a peacemaker? 
How am I a peacemaker at home? What part do I play in that? What part do I play in the reconciliation of husband and wife? What part do I play in the reconciliation of father and child? What part do I play in the reconciliation of brother and sister? What part? How am I a peacemaker? Christmas peace is about peace with God, but it's also about peace with others. So how am I a peacemaker? So you need to know something about me when it comes to Christmas, okay, in case you were thinking about getting me a gift. I'm a big kid. I want a toy. I want to be able to play with something, okay? But my mother-in-law is practical. Not very fun when it comes to Christmas gifts. So a couple years ago, she bought me shoes, dress shoes. I opened them up, and I was like, oh, dress shoes. Actually, they're the shoes I'm wearing right now. <laughs> and the thing is, I already had dress shoes. I mean, they were old, but I already had ones that I liked, and they were comfortable, and I liked how they looked. So I took those dress shoes, and I put them in my closet for about five months. They stayed in my closet in the shoe boxes, and I would wear my old shoes. So one day, I walked into, I, I was putting on my shoes in, in my bedroom, and my wife walked into the room, and she says, when are you going to wear my mom's shoes that she bought you? What? When are you going to wear the shoes? You know, it's like, that's a waste. It's like my mom paid for that gift. That's a waste. And so I put on the shoes, and I wore them the next day. Here's the deal. I always owned the shoes. It wasn't like I didn't own the shoes. They were mine. But I was wasting that gift. I'm not saying that you don't own the grace that Jesus has provided for you. I'm not saying you don't own Christmas peace. But how many of us are wasting that gift? If we're not making peace with others, if we're not peacemakers, if we're not part of reconciliation, if we're not showing God's kingdom on earth right now, we might just be wasting that gift. But here's, here's the tricky part. You see, I'm saying that you have to make peace with others, and I'm saying that you have to make peace with others because God made peace with you. There's peace with God and there's peace with others. But the hard part is, is that oftentimes we are tripped up in those efforts because we need to make peace with ourselves. I need to make peace with myself. And here's what I mean by that. If you're united to Christ and have peace with God, then that should, be, that should be my identity. That should be the identity that I live by. But the problem is, is that I will continue to live a life in a broken world, and I will continue to sin. And in fact, I will continue to bring brokenness into other people's lives. And what I should do with that brokenness, what I should do with that sin, is continue to daily bring it to the foot of the cross and give it to Jesus. But there are times in my life when I hold on to it instead. There are times in my life when I kind of pick and choose 
what God's grace can cover. And so I decide to live in shame or in guilt. And I hold on to it. And it becomes my identity for a little bit. It takes a hold of me. There are times when I slip up or fail. And instead of running to the cross, instead of running to the God whom loves me, instead of doing that, I retreat. I head the other direction. And I hold on to the guilt and I hold on to the shame and I create a new identity out of my old one. There are times my children teach me more about God's love than I can teach them. There are times when my son Noah does something very interesting. And he doesn't do it all the time. Uh, let's make it clear. Let's make it clear this is not his reaction to getting in trouble all the time. But there are times that when Noah gets in trouble, when he does something wrong, what Noah does is he runs to me, clings to me, and holds me tight, desiring me to hug him, which I do. That's the direction you need to run in when you mess up. Not hold on to it yourself, but run to the God who loves you. Run to the Father who loves you, holding him tightly, laying it at the foot of the cross. I don't know how you need to make peace with yourself today. For some of you, maybe, maybe you need to make peace with others in order to make peace with yourself, and you need to confess a sin to someone. I don't know. For some of you, maybe you just need to be reminded of what grace really is. It's kind of arrogant of me to pick and choose what God can forgive. It's not okay for me to accept God's forgiveness for, for me, but not forgive myself. Because the greater offense was done to God, not to me. It's not okay for me to not forgive myself but allow and claim God's forgiveness. So maybe you need to be reminded of that grace. Maybe you need to focus on the story and actually just process it a little bit. Maybe it's time to make peace with yourself. You see, that's the incredible gift of Christmas peace. Peace with God, peace with others, peace with myself. It only can happen because a baby was born and grew up to be a man who paid the cost that I was supposed to pay. So what am I supposed to do with that, though? Like, if I understand that and I've embraced this gift, if I've embraced this Christmas peace, what am I supposed to do with that? I mean, I have peace with God, I have peace with others, I have peace with myself. What do I do then, okay? What, what, what am I supposed to do with Christmas peace? What did the shepherds do? What did the shepherds do at the end of the story? The shepherds heard the gospel. They responded to that good news. And then they met Jesus. And after they met Jesus, 
they told everyone. They heard the news, they responded to it, but it was when they met Jesus that everything changed, and they told everyone, glorifying God in the process. If you've heard the gospel, if you've responded to the gospel, if you've met Jesus, then go and tell everyone, bringing glory to God in the process. Go and tell everyone. We don't ask you to invite people to our Christmas services because we want to just fill up a room. We ask you to invite people to our Christmas services because we feel that there is a good news. There's a story that we feel can change lives, and we want people to hear it. That's why we ask you to invite people. But don't just invite them. Tell them about how it's changed your life. Go and tell everyone. If you receive the gift of Christmas peace... I want you to tell others about it. This Christmas, let's be peacemakers. Enjoying the peace with God that is made possible because of Jesus. Reflecting Jesus as we make peace with others. And trusting Jesus for our identity as we make peace with ourselves. And then let's go and tell everyone, bringing Glory to God in the process. Let's pray. Lord, we just praise you. And we just have so much that we can say about you that is so good. We ask you to just let that peace, that Christmas peace, be real in our lives this week. Let us be aware that we have peace with God. Let us be aware that we need to be peacemakers, making peace with others. Let us be aware that we need to make peace with ourselves. And if there's anyone in this room who hasn't embraced that peace, I ask you that you would make your love and grace real to them. Lord, we pray for everyone who will be in these services on Friday and Saturday that the story will not be just some Christmas story that they've heard over and over, but they would hear the real truth of it, and it would be real in their lives. Lord, help us to be overwhelmed by the truth of the good news of the gospel so that we can't help but just tell everyone and let us bring glory to you in the process. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.